Hey honeys, this is your host Marissa. Welcome to the Honey Health and Wellness Podcast. Get ready to unlock your full potential as I dive into all things health, wellness, spirituality, and self-development. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast, Danny Kennedy. So I'm really excited to have Danny on. Danny is a qualified um, personal trainer and strength coach, and he's also the host of his podcast, Fitness and Lifestyle. Danny works with clients ranging from Olympic athletes to everyday people looking to improve their health. And he also provides programs on mindset mentoring and is the head trainer um, for the Keep It Cleaner app. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it a lot. Um, I mean, let's get straight into it. So I mentioned before we started recording that I had seen um, a lot of your work on social media and you know, I think you have done a really good job at positioning yourself in the realm of, you know, self-development and, um, you know, mindset, mentoring and fitness and health. And I think, you know, all of these categories require a lot of patience to build a brand that is trustworthy. And yeah, I'm just so curious about your journey. Like, how did you get started on this? And, you know, what's your driving force for creating such a great brand from, from what I can see. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I guess my whole journey started, um, uh, obviously with the health and fitness side of things. So I grew up playing football and basketball, um, and I was always quiet. So I was always very active, um, as a kid. And then I started taking like my fitness quite seriously when I was pursuing basketball and football, um, quite seriously as well. So mm-hmm. then I think it was roughly at the age of probably 15 or 16, I stepped into the gym for the first time. And mm-hmm. pr- prior to that, I'd I'd always relied quite heavily on my work ethic. I, I was never the most talented in either of the sports, but um, just knew that if I could just work harder than everyone else, then that would, that would work in my favor. So I used to do a shitload of mm-hmm. running and stuff like that. And then... Mm-hmm. Got into the gym because um, I was super skinny. I was underweight. Um, yeah. I, I, I always underate and overtrained um, mm-hmm. all the way up until probably like the age of 19 or 20, to be honest. But I stepped into the gym and initially kind of hated it for the first month because I was so used to the feeling of running and, and making sure that every session was, you know, felt like it was extremely hard that mm. get, getting into the gym was a bit of a different feeling. But once I started to see the the changes physically and probably more importantly, the the changes mentally, the benefits of being in the gym and working on, you know, getting stronger and building confidence and um, mm-hmm. self-belief and all that type of stuff. Uh, I fell in love with it pretty quick. So I, I started, I was just obsessed with it. I learned as much as I possibly could about everything to do with training and nutrition. And mm-hmm. then um, I did my personal training qualification separate to school, like in year 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really had any intention of using it because I my mind was set on playing basketball professionally. Yeah. So I um I finished school, moved to Melbourne straight after year twelve um for basketball full time for two years. Mm-hmm. And in that two years, I started to learn from a lot more reputable sources when it came to training and nutrition. Um, I I was like the same height as I am now, and about twenty five kilos less. So I was super mm, underweight. Super underweight, um, and needed to make some changes with both food and training. So I, I did that. Started to see really good results, and um, and I, because I was so obsessed with it, I I started a second Instagram like mm-hmm. in 20, 2013. Um, yeah, and I was just posting fitness content every day, 
Um, mm. And then in 2014, I had an ankle reconstruction, um, which which I stopped playing basketball after that. And mm-hmm. I started my my career as in the health and fitness industry as a PT. And then mm. that year, that year I competed. Um, the following few years, I competed in in men's physique. Um, and I was using social media to just document all of my journey and pretty much putting out something every single day on Instagram. And then, you know, stepping into the world of business, I, I was absolutely clueless. Like I had no idea how to run a business. So mm. basically I just, and this still applies to this day, basically everything that I was experiencing and learning myself, I would just share it on social media and, um, you know, eventually things like email list and down the track podcasting and stuff. And just share my experiences, share what I found from going through certain things. And then hopefully that was helping people. And and that's kind of what I do to this day. But obviously that's that's evolved a lot since 2014. Um, mm. So I started online coaching in 2015, started the podcast in 2016. And then, um, yeah, started with Kick in 2017. And, and everything's just kind of continued to evolve and very much along the same the same path of like whatever I kind of experience, I'll share that um, with my audience and um, always with the intent of trying to add value to the people who are listening or watching. And um, and I think that's the most important thing out of all of that has just been consistency. Like, and that's the thing that people ask all the time now is whether it's building a, uh, trying to grow an audience on social media, whether it's building your podcast, whether it's building a business, even your physique, it's like, people want the secret or the the shortcut or the answer that they think no one else knows. Mm. But it, it literally just comes down to the small, seemingly insignificant um, efforts done exceptionally well consistently over time. And that compounds and and grows. And that that's what I've seen throughout my whole time in the industry. And um, so now I just apply that same rule to anything that I try my hand at. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. I think I can relate to your story in so many ways in that, you know, you start, you kind of followed your passion and things just, you know, naturally unfold for you. But, you know, from the sounds of it, mindset is such a like pivotal part of everything that you do. Like you mentioned consistency, but, um, you know, I think people underestimate the like, all of the other things that come beneath consistency, you know, like that self-belief that, um, you know, motivation to drive yourself to be consistent and what your driving factors are to wake up every day and put in the effort with kind of a knowing without actually knowing that you're going to achieve the goals that you set out to achieve. And I wonder with everything that you've created, did you set out to say, I'm going to be this guy, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or did you just kind of follow your passion and, you know, it seems though like you're a very driven person though, so there must have been some like little image that you had of yourself that like pushed you forward continuously. Yeah, for sure. And my kind of knowledge or understanding around all of that has evolved a shitload, but yeah, I think early on, because I, as I mentioned, football and basketball, um, I had a lot of disappointments and setbacks with mm-hmm. that. Um, and even through injuries and stuff, I had so many, what people would look at as failures and setbacks that over time I built, built this mental resilience. And I think one of the things I loved about getting into the gym and starting my own business was all of a sudden it didn't require 
anyone like it does require other people but it didn't come down to anyone else like i didn't you know whether it was getting cut from a, a basketball team or whatever like all of a sudden the reward that i was going to get was mm. going to come come down to the effort that i did or didn't put in yeah in the gym or within my business or whatever so when i figured out that i was so passionate about it and i i didn't necessarily have a an end goal or or a vision of like exactly what i wanted things to look like i just knew mm-hmm. that i wanted to help and impact as many people as I could. And it was just a matter of finding what what vehicle I needed to be in to, to make that happen. So mm. something that I've learned a lot lately is that, and previously I would, even though I was showing up consistently, even though I was doing all the things that I needed to do, I was still very like end result driven type of thing. Like my mindset was focused on where I wasn't, even though I thought I should be there. So I was looking at the right. amount of work I was putting in in comparison to where I was and being mm-hmm. disappointed with the growth that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. But when I look back at things now, it's like, well, if I hadn't have consistently showed up with all this stuff, then all the things I'm doing now wouldn't wouldn't be the case, whether it be the podcast. You know, year one of the podcast, we had like 500 downloads total, I think. And now mm. we get, you know, 80 to 100,000 a month. So, so it's like good. If, I, if, I did, if I had just stopped or if mm. I had have been disappointed with where I was, in comparison to the work I put in, none of this would have happened. So now I very much so like I'm really big on setting an intention or or having a very clear goal of the not so much the end result, but a, a vision of where I want things to go, like a direction. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then make sure I'm aligning like all the actions that I'm taking daily and trying to align my energy and trying to align the version of myself that I am now with the the version of myself that I, I envision myself to mm-hmm. be. And I'm trying to you know, think, act, behave, and feel like that's a reality now. So instead yeah. of living in lack and separation of where I am in comparison to where I think I should be, it's like, all right, well, if I was there, how would I behave daily? Like, what are the things I'd be doing? Like, how would I talk? Like, how would I think? What are my habits going to be like if that's already the case? Mm. And then, and then, like, the hardest part and the part that took me so long to, to really understand is just surrendering to that is because. I don't mm. know if, I, even if I have this clear vision and intention, I don't know if I'm going to achieve it or I don't know when it's going to happen. And in the end of the day, it's not really up to me because yeah. the more time I spend disappointed or, or focusing on how much longer there is to go to get to where I want to be, I'm living in lack and separation. So I'm going to get more of that lack and separation if I keep mm. focusing on it. Whereas if I'm sitting here in gratitude for the things that I have achieved or the things that I do have, or if I'm trying to feel like with my meditations, for example, <clears throat> meditations, I, I try and feel the emotions or the feelings of what it would be like to to be in this place or in this vision of where I, where I see myself being now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that when I, when I come out of that meditation, the goal is to try and stay in that state because yeah. that's when you start to attract all these things. So I think it's, it's really trying to detach yourself from outcomes because mm-hmm. the other thing is that you don't know whether in five years time the the specific goal you have for yourself now is still what you want so mm. really starting to um open up and almost like listen to the signs of the universe i guess you could say and understand that you know everything happens for a reason and, and everything happens for you not to you so if things don't go your way instead of being really and i think i understood this because of the amount of setbacks i had but if things don't mm. go your way like because fuck that means mm. that sorry i've uh, sorry you can swear on this podcast <laughs> um 
if they, if they don't go the way that you want, then it's because they're not meant to be that way, or it's meant mm. to be, or it's because something else is something better is coming, or or maybe that's a sign that things need to change. And that's just the way I look at it now. So I think having that mindset allows you to drop any fear of rejection or failure and just go at everything with the energy and the um, intent that you need to do in mm. order to to get to wherever it is that you're trying to go. Um, yeah. And, and that's the approach I follow still. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's so many powerful little uh, pieces of information within that. But I think particularly what um, I think is so important is the fact that you know, you may as well stay in gratitude while you're working towards what you're going towards. I think that little piece of information is something that people um, maybe don't always get all the time. And it's like, if you're sad, you what's the point? Like, you may as well be happy. Like, you're not going to mm. get anything when you're in a shit mood. Like, nothing's happening. Like, nothing's happening. So it's like, you may as well just switch the perspective and be like, well, I'm happy regardless. And then in that same note, you're probably going to attract everything that you want anyway. It's like the biggest trick of all, you know, like you think that you're pushing towards something when you're disappointed or you're judgmental of yourself. And it's like, no, you just kind of stay, you kind of stay still. There's no progress there. Yeah. Well, we, we, we manifest, <laughs> we manifest both the good and bad into our own life. Like it's, mm. I use the example all the time when someone has a shit day, it's often started by something very small happening in the morning. Absolutely. And then we, we mentally obsess over this one little thing that's happened and all of a sudden mm. we, we speak our shit day into existence. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's also like if I'm sitting here and I'm disappointed with, you know, let's say I release a new program and it doesn't get as many people signing up as what I would like. Yeah. There's two things to that. One, 10 years ago, if I had have told myself that I'd be in a position I am in now, I fucking wouldn't have believed. I would have been so grateful. Yeah. To be to be able to do what I'm doing now and to have the shit that I've got now or to have experienced mm-hmm. the things that I have. So that's like having some perspective is massive. But at the same time, with the program thing, for example, if I then go and deliver this program to the five instead of 50 people that I expected, then mm-hmm. the quality of that program is going to be shit. So they don't get any, they don't get the value that they should have. Mm-hmm. And whereas I, I learned this, or I, I experienced this again recently because it's just, no matter what you do, you're kind of going to experience the same thing. So like I experienced a lot of this stuff now in like the personal development space as I did when I started in the fitness space or when I started in the podcasting space. It's like mm-hmm. if I if I show up to the program with the mindset of there being fucking 100,000 people in this program, mm. I'm going to deliver something that's going to really change someone's life. And at the same time, it's then going to lead them to go and tell other people about it. It's going to make sure that I'm an energetic match for people who want to come and join this program for what it should be. Whereas if I'm sitting here frustrated about what I don't have, then I'm going to get Mm. more of what I don't want. Yeah, absolutely. I think people kind of miss that point, like in the whole manifesting thing, people just think it's about like manifesting your dream car and manifest your dream car, like go, go for your life. But like people also um, kind of miss the point where it's like, like what you said, what, like just being like you are manifesting, like you are vibrational, whether it's like a good or bad or lack, or we're always emitting some uh, message to the universe and we're getting that back. So yeah, that's a a very good um, point that you make. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, was there a certain point when you became conscious of this 
like harnessing this mindset and kind of driving it further forward. Like, obviously, I think it comes down to some level of personality. You know, some people are more driven than others and that probably got you so far to a certain point. And then was there a certain, you know, marker where you were like, how can I, you know, how can I level up? How can I improve what I'm doing? And how can I actually put processes in to achieve what I want to achieve? Um, I think it's just, it's gradually happened, but I think it really went up a, a notch, like probably in the last few years. So I even like understanding that er, like everything happens for a reason. Like when I, when I had my ankle reconstruction and, and stopped mm. playing basketball, like at the time that was the worst one of the worst moments like of my life. Yeah, and right. It ended up being one of the biggest blessings of my life. So when I look back with perspective and realize how many times things that haven't gone well have actually led to something better, totally. it now gives me this peace of mind knowing that when shit happens again now, it's like, well, I now have like the the trust in the fact that this is for a a, a better purpose. It's for it's for a reason. But, yeah. You know, I, I I started, I read a personal development book for the first time in like 2016, I think it was. It was by Robin Sharma called The Greatness Guide. Mm. And up until that point, um, I just didn't read. Like I fucking hate reading. Yeah. But I read this book and I read it so quick. And I just mm. remember just feeling like absolutely lit up when I read it. I was just like, mm-hmm. wow, this is just making, this is making me really excited to go and put a lot of this into practice and making me think in a way I never thought before. I started meditating um, in 2017 and then I think, as you kind of start to just take that next step, you mm. keep reaching for the next thing. Um, you start to realize that there's a lot of power in in the thought, power in the mind, and you start to notice a lot of things that have probably happened in your life that you never really put any thought to at the time, but it starts yeah. to make sense now. So once I started doing all that, like the meditating and everything, um, I then come across stuff like you know the Wim Hof breath work yes, and cold showers and ice baths and all that stuff. And I just keep adding different tools to the toolkit. And then I really went like all in with it probably in 2020, like when we went into lockdown, like I, mm. at that point, I think it was the, was the second time I'd had my, I had a shoulder reconstruction and a knee in the first, in, in 2020, like both oh in the same God. year, along with, uh, along no. with lockdown. And I just realized that I was, <laughs> I was like, make I, I was causing myself a lot of like misery because I yeah, was right. sitting at home, wasn't wasn't able to exercise. I was obsessing over all the negative shit, and I just realized mm. how much it was having an effect on me. So I just made the decision to really just focus on what I could control, yeah. and that was you know not like of course I was still disappointed with not being able to train or disappointed with not being able to go to work or whatever the fuck it was. But it was like mm-hmm. I can do other things, and when I had that perspective, I then started to notice how obvious it was to me that everyone, like not everyone, but a lot of other people were stuck in the mindset that I used to be in. And when yeah. I could notice, when I could notice how blatantly obvious it was when I was, when I took a step back, <clears throat> I was like, shit, like I need to keep diving into this stuff. And that's when I just continued to, to look at ways to, you know, better myself, which then I always mm-hmm. found was directly correlative to things going better with my business or whether it be in relationships, whether it be with my just general happiness, whatever it may be. So yeah, I think it's, um, you know, personal development as well as like a bit of a rabbit hole when you first get, when you first dive totally. into it, you kind of, it can be very overwhelming. So I just think yes. 
one thing after the other, very much like habit stacking, like just testing different things, seeing what works for you, what doesn't. And then the things that do make you feel good, just keep doing more of it. Like keep following where the the good energy is and you'll, you'll continue to evolve as a person. And, and I think, you know, that'll then raise your frequency and, and that starts to attract better people around you. People, the people around you start to notice that, that difference in your energy. And, and then it's just a matter of, I guess, in my opinion, just leading by example that you can't push this stuff on anyone else. You've got to just mm. do what's good for you and be the best person you can be. And you'll start to notice the differences around you. Yeah, absolutely. That was really well said. And I guess kind of leans, leans onto my next question, which was, you know, what significance, you know, our relationships with ourselves has on like the work we're able to create and just overall how having and cultivating a relationship with herself um, improves your life, which I mean, you've just kind of touched on really well, then it's, you know, um, you kind of taking the investing time and investing energy in yourself in order to, to get better outcomes in order to be the best person um, that you can be. But I've, I feel, and this is a generalization, but I'm just going to go for it anyway. I think a lot of people in this day and age, maybe um, lack a relationship with themselves. It's like the last thing that they think about, or it's something that people um, feel really uncomfortable with. You know, a lot of people don't like being alone. A lot of people couldn't tell you what their values are, what they stand for, where they're going, what they want to do, because, you know, they haven't spent any time um, by themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, look, I'm a very introverted person. So I think I have the bonus in that that comes naturally to me. I'm just like a little hermit and I'll just like constantly like in my own zone. But, you know, I think even for extroverted people out there, people who thrive on, you know, being around other people's energy, there is, um, you know, so much power in coming to learn about yourself and get to know yourself. But um, I wanted to know what your thoughts are on the significance of that and how it can benefit people. Yeah, for sure. And that was something that I had never really done like I've always been pretty good with spending time by myself I I, yeah. I don't mind that but in saying that like that was always based off the fact that I was never really sitting with myself it was always doing something like I, right. I literally just recorded a podcast earlier about you know less is more and, and not always having to just do 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 in order to get more it's 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 mm-hmm. sometimes about removing things and and it wasn't until I got good at being able to sit with my own thoughts and actually stop for a second and and actually get comfortable with myself and be open and uh, I guess vulnerable enough to sit with the discomfort of the things that I wasn't happy with about myself and also Mm. like make, make those changes. So, you know, really gaining clarity around, as you mentioned, like what are the values that I want to live by? Like what are the parts about myself that I've probably been too scared to share or to, mm. to to actually even acknowledge because I'm like ashamed of them or whatever it is and yeah and being willing to like talk about them being willing to do the inner work on my like myself with things like journaling or that's where I found the breath work and meditation to be so helpful but for a mm-hmm. lot of people that that are very disappointed with whether it's the relationships they attract or their outcomes with work or um, friendships or success and money and stuff like that a lot of the time we we put so much focus on everything external but don't put any focus on the internal so yeah. as and i think it's probably because it's so fucking cliche and like a yeah. bit cringy but like you know in order for you to attract 
great things into your life, you have to be, you have to get to the point where you're like able to bloody like love yourself. Mm, I mean, you also um, have to get to the point where you don't really give a fuck, like what, what someone's going to say about your cringy, like journaling or whatever. It's oh, like, just sure. do you. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you can't like what other people think of you. One of the best quotes I've heard is that what, what other people think of you is none of your business. And if, yes. and if you're going to base your whole life off what you think other people think of you or what you think you should be doing to fit in, then you're mm. basically living your life as like a fucking character. In these, yeah, you're in third person. You're living in yeah. third person. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not and that's what causes, you know, that's what I found for myself. Like I was causing mm. myself all of this anxiety and stress and super anxious all the time. It's because I was I wasn't living like authentically. It wasn't until I lived truly authentic to myself that I was able to all of a sudden this anxiety is not there anymore. So Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think you know, whether it's, as I said, relationships, work, success, whatever it is, you have to be really, really comfortable with understanding what it is that you want and mm. and raising your own standards so that you're not just doing shit to fit in or you're not putting up with stuff yeah. or people that you, you don't agree with just because it's comfortable. Like the hardest thing to understand and to, and more importantly, to actually put into practice is you have to be comfortable. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, like nothing. Totally. No change comes from comfort. So mm. whether it's physical change in terms of getting, you know, f- changing your body composition, whether it's, you know, changing your your mental state or whatever, it's like you have to be you have to be able to step into the unknown, which is very fucking uncomfortable. But sit mm. there and sit through that resistance in order for things to change. And for yeah. people that aren't able to sit with their own thoughts or or have never even put time and energy into figuring out what it is that they want and what their standards are. And, and getting really, really disciplined on sticking to your own standards, then I think it's the first step because you can't expect, you can't always be waiting for something external to bring you what you want. Like you have to be able yeah. to get to that stage first and then all of a sudden you'll start to attract these things and people and outcomes that are aligned with that. Because if you don't even know what the fuck you want, then how can you be disappointed what you don't have? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And I think like a lot of people, um, I think you, they don't want to sit, if you just sit through the, like it's meant to be uncomfortable. Like if you sit through the discomfort and like, even for like a month, like two months, like you just sit through it. It doesn't mean that you're like miserable, but you know, to actually change and to actually cause, um, you know, a new behavior and like Joe Dispenza touches on this a lot. And I want to get to that because mm. I'm so curious um, about your experience on your, um, like, was it four days that you were, you were there? <laughs> Seven. Seven. Oh my die. Yeah. How did you go? I'm just, we'll, we'll just talk about it now. So you yeah. went to a Joe Dispenza retreat and you were there for seven days. I went for one day and it was really life-changing. So I can't imagine Every- how seven days was. Um, where was it? Which one did you go to? Uh, I was on the Sunshine Coast, so Maruchador. Um, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he yeah. would have got, does it this year that you went? Yeah, he came to Melbourne like straight after that, I think. Yeah, so it would have been, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. That's what I would have gone to. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, it was, um, I, I, I learned a lot there and a lot of the stuff I learned was not what I was expecting. Like I, right. there was a lot of takeaways from it. So I, I'd been following Joe's work for a fair while now, but to be honest, like I'd really only been doing say 15 to 20 minute meditations, which I think is still awesome. And I think for a lot of people, that's probably a stretch as well. But Mm. leading into the event, I, 
I started doing like 45 minutes a day for about three weeks leading into it. And then because wow. I thought I didn't want to have a shock to the system when I got there. Mm, smart. <laughs> and then d- day one, we meditated for six hours. So that was what? fucking, so it didn't really work out. But um, six hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's six insane. Hours. So we did, we, we were meditating. So yeah, we had kind of day one wasn't really much, but then for six days, across six days, we meditated for 36 hours. So we were doing morning, midday and evening meditations. And like, I kind of came into the week thinking that it'd be pretty cruisy and like, I'd get a good chance to catch up on sleep and train and work and all that stuff. But yeah, we were literally getting there at six or between four and 6am and get and leaving there at like seven or 8pm every single day. So I, the things I took away from it was I came into the week with an expectation of what I was going to experience. So like I've, as I mentioned, I've done a lot of breath work and stuff. So I kind of expected just the, the collective energy of the people there would have just been this crazy experience and don't get me wrong. It was, but not in the way that I expected. So yeah, our meditations were typically anywhere from like an hour to two and a half hours. Um, That's insane. So yeah. And one of them, we did one on like day four, I think it was for four and a half hours straight, um, which was just mental. But I would have been like twitching, like after like 30 minutes, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I want to get out of here. How did you even like, I, how did you even? (laughs) Fuck if I know, but it was, (laughs) but I think a lot of the lessons I took literally was from the meditations themselves. So I was going into the meditation really with an expectation of having an experience in the meditation. Mm. And when you're hearing and seeing other people having these crazy experiences, you then kind of say to yourself, yeah. well, that's, that was a shit meditation because I didn't really feel anything. But yeah. again, there were like the, when you zoom out a little bit, it's that's me just having expectation and, and comparing myself to others when my experience may have been completely different to theirs, but that's maybe what I needed. So what I found was that physically as well, it was uncomfortable as fuck because yeah, right. sitting like I, I rarely sit down and we're sitting in like an upright chair for mm. all day, every day, including most of the meditations apart from like the walking one. So I really started to understand that as we touched on before, like I needed to get really uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and just Mm. surrender to the resistance of like the fact that there was such a long meditation or the fact that I was slightly uncomfortable or going to every meditation with no expectation and understand like just like anything else that just because I get to the end of a meditation and I didn't have some crazy physical experience doesn't mean that it yeah. wasn't that it wasn't uh, a positive or it wasn't beneficial it just means that that those small efforts over time are compounding just like anything else so that allowed me to really show up with no real expectation to sit through these meditations and just try and not or not try. Right. I yeah. was trying, I was trying too hard to meditate and I really just need to just allow it to happen. And once I did that, I, I got so much more value from it. Um, the walking meditations were just insane. There was like a thousand people on a beach doing these walking meditations, which was pretty surreal. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was also just a feeling of like almost like a sense of pride, like being mm. proud of myself for doing it, like going out of my way to invest in myself firstly, yeah. but then to go there and sit through this week of 
what was initially really uncomfortable, but mm. to then be able to experience like all the benefits and takeaways from that week and and to meet some really cool people and just yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot from it. And you know, yeah. mo- most days now I'm doing usually between 45 to an hour and a half of meditation now, which so is good. something that I genuinely really enjoy now because you know, outside of the meditations, you're also listening obviously to a lot of presentations and um uh, lectures and stuff like that from either joe or his his researchers and stuff so you yeah. start to understand and learn a lot about how effective a lot of these these practices are and the changes you can truly make so i yeah. think it was quite motivating as well to understand that which i already knew but even more so now like how powerful we are and like how how much change you can create from within mm. instead of, as I said, having to rely on something external to create those changes for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would have been absolutely like an amazing, amazing experience. So it's definitely still something on my list, but it's good to hear like a little prelude. So I would know what to expect because yeah, that is insane. But I think it's absolutely um, like once you have that turning point of realizing that you're so powerful and that you have the capacity to create anything that you see in your mind. I think, I don't know, the whole game is like shifted now. It's like, that's the secret. Like that's the little unlock situation, but you know, people have to find that for themselves. It doesn't really make sense if someone just tells it to you, like, they'll be like, oh yeah, cool. You know? So you really have to understand it on a like, um, experience level, I would say, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. But then at the same time, the, one of the big messages that that Joe talked about is that you actually can't experience any of this stuff if you genuinely don't believe that you, that it's possible. So yeah, right. it's not even yeah. it's similar to what you asked earlier about whether I envision myself being where I am or where I have a vision of where I want to go. It's not necessarily about understanding how you're going to get there. It's not it's not at all understanding about how you're going to get there. It's about yeah. just understanding and accepting and truly believing that it can happen. Yeah, and absolutely. Once you, once you accept that it can happen and you let go of the how, all of a sudden that's when the change starts to happen. Because if you're if I'm just if I've never meditated before and I'm just like I send this meditation to someone and say, Hey, fucking do this every single mm. morning and you can basically have the life that you want. Mm. If, if they have no understanding or no true belief that what they're doing really works, it won't work for them. Yeah, absolutely. But once, yeah. once I once I say to myself, and I tr- genuinely believe that it's possible for this to change and for me to make these changes, then I can surrender to how long it takes or when it's going to happen, and just show up daily and and and, and that, just that accumulates. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, are you familiar with Bob Proctor's work? Have you listened to any of his stuff? All of it. Yeah, yeah. I love. Yeah, Bob Proctor, so yeah. good. I love Bob too. I feel like he would be the nicest guy. I mean, he's he's passed over now. I mean, Mm. you know, but you know, I feel like he always, he always says he's like, all you need in order to achieve something is, is the decision to that you want to achieve it. He was like, don't worry about the who, the what, the when, the how he's like, just, you know, make the decision that you want to achieve something. And then the universe will conspire to, to create that for you. And by law, it will happen if you envision it in your mind and if you feel it, like that is just the law of the universe. And I feel like as soon as that clicked in my head, I was like, oh, okay, I got this now. (laughs) Yeah, it's so powerful. Um, And I think think the way Bob, I think for a lot of people, when you listen to Joe Dispenza, unless you've done a bit of a deep dive and you, again, you're open to it. Yeah. Bob's messages are probably a lot easier to uh, 
understand in comparison mm. to listening to Joe for the first time. Yeah. But yeah, Bob's the way he delivers uh his message is really, really cool. So I just continue to watch Bob and listen to Bob's stuff over and over again. Yeah, so good. So good. I think Joe is really good if you're like a very left brain person, like very logical, because he breaks it down. He breaks down the mystical somehow in a very scientific mm. way. I think the way he presents his information is amazing. But yeah, Bob is a little bit more um yeah, easy to easier to kind of flow with. You know, you don't need that much brain capacity to like flow yeah. into what he's saying. Um, yeah. Which this brings me to my next question. Speaking of um, speaking of Joe, speaking of Bob, um, dealing with limiting beliefs and understanding your subconscious um, beliefs that you have of yourself. So, how do you personally deal with limiting beliefs if they come up, when they come up, um, and how can people become conscious of their subconscious beliefs, um, whether they be kind of good or bad, but predominantly the bad ones how can we work to um get rid of them and and recreate you know the life that we want to create yeah with limiting beliefs what i've found is <clears throat> the hardest part is identifying what they are because that's mm. the whole that's the whole point is that they're a subconscious set of beliefs that basically run our life and the way that i explain it is that a limiting a self-limiting belief is like a lens that you look through and that's the only way you see the world so mm-hmm. if you start to have some perspective on that and you realize that there's certain beliefs that you have that aren't aligned with what you say you want or they're not the truth or they're 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 not working in your favor then you're really pretty much hopeless in terms of getting this outcome that you want because yeah. the way that you operate in every aspect of your life is based off a set of beliefs that aren't true so the best way to identify them which is the hardest part in my opinion is starting to look for recurring outcomes that you don't that you're not happy with. So let's say mm-hmm. for example if it's a relationship and you find yourself in the same scenario over and over again, might be finding a partner, things going well and then after a month it fucks up or it might be every time you find a partner you end up with this same type of personality or something like that that you mm-hmm. supposedly don't like. If it's money, it might be every time you feel like you're building momentum, you then have a period of time where you have don't have any money or you're not you're not seeing any more growth like there's a million different examples yeah uh, so pat like outcomes that continue to happen that that you don't like things that really trigger you or or frustrate you that, that kind of like another example would be you know seeing someone act a certain way um or, or behave in a certain way that just triggers you straight away for absolutely no reason even if you have no context to who they are or why they're like that that just triggers you yeah all these little things, right? So let's say, um, I want to give an example so that makes sense. Let's say if I, if you, let's say for example, you see someone, I see a girl on social media, right? And in every video or whatever, she's like dancing or she's like super happy or maybe it's stuff that she wears or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that really, really triggers you. There's a high likelihood that you have some limiting belief from very early on that, you know, maybe when you were a kid, you used to dance, whatever, and someone around you, whether it was your mom or your dad or teacher or whatever, always kind of said to you, like, stop acting so stupid or like, don't do that. You're going to embarrass me or like, what are you mm-hmm. doing this for? Or you had a really bad experience that then made you never do it again, even though it was something you really enjoyed. So there's absolutely no reason why you should be triggered by some girl dancing on Instagram. Yeah. You see it. It pisses you off or it triggers you because, you know, deep down inside, like you've been made to believe that that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So these these triggers, these um, behaviors that happen over time, or or the outcomes that keep happening, and when you look at them, 
the next important thing is to look at understanding the underlying reason as to why. So mm-hmm. if it's if it's a relationship, and I'm definitely not the type of person to give relationship advice, but example would be if you find yourself in a relationship with someone, and let's say I find you find yourself in a relationship with someone who you really really like, and everything's going really well, and then all of a sudden you get super insecure or whatever, and that insecurity then leads to the relationship breaking down, and then the, it finishes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very common one there is that maybe early on you got cheated on or yeah. your your partner left you really early for no reason really and you couldn't figure out why. So now in your mind, every single time you get into a relationship, you have this underlying expectation that it's going to fuck up, that the person's going to cheat on you, that they, they, they don't really like you, you have no real sense of worth, that it's going to end in some way or another or maybe mm. that maybe that um, limiting belief happened from when you were a kid, if your parents separated or whatever and one of your parents left, then you start to think that every single time you love someone or or feel happy with someone that it's going to end. Yeah. So what happens is then obviously all your behavior is starting to push onto this other person. It's not like the other person can't tell, like the other person can feel and read off your energy too. So it's like you're constantly asking them where they are. Or you're constantly frustrated with what they're doing because you think they're going to do something wrong to you. And that's what, that's what fucks the relationship up. But when yeah. it breaks down in your head, you reaffirm that, oh, I can never stay in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like this, you're the one creating this shit storm for yourself, but you think mm. it's because of this stupid belief. Yeah. So once you understand the why, that's what allows you to then look for evidence as to how it's not true. So it's like, you know, yes, this person cheated on me, but I was in like year 10. And since then, I've got this new partner or I found this new partner who we have so much fun when we're together. They've never done anything wrong by me. They've never cheated on anyone in the past. Um, they make me really happy. They're not doing anything behind my back. There's evidence to show as to how my limiting belief is not true. And we just need mm-hmm. to keep looking for that evidence as to how we can change that belief. And yeah. that's when we start to gradually change that the pattern because it's not going to happen overnight. But it once you understand it and identify it, it allows you to pick up on it in real time. So if I if I have this certain behavior that I always do and that leads to the same outcome, when I start to behave in that certain way, I can pick up on it and say, all right, well, am I doing this because it's actually warranted or am I behaving this way because that's just what I always do or that's the way that I always react? Mm. And you can start to change that pattern and over time, hopefully we can change these limiting beliefs. But very long answer there. But I think first one is identifying it looking at what the underlying reason is, looking for evidence as to how it's not true or how you can change it and then mm. putting that into practice and, and picking up on it regularly. Yeah, yeah, that's really well um, really well answered. And I think, you know, all of this stuff takes a lot of conscious effort. I think maybe um, like it would be great if it was like a little bit easier, but it's the thing with the mind is like, you know, it either will get programmed by the environment around it or you have to go, okay, I'm going to take the driver's seat and I'm going to steer this vehicle. I'm going to figure out where we're going here because, um, yeah, it's very easy to just believe in those negative thoughts and believe in those limiting beliefs and let them um, run your life. So I guess it is, again, that con- that that practice of becoming conscious, which I guess um, you probably practice that consciousness by journaling, like you mentioned, and by meditating. So, um, you know, it's not easy, you know, but worth it in the end. <laughs> it's not easy, but but as you said before, like nothing, nothing 
no change is is easy. That's the whole point because the reason yeah. why we find it so easy to go back to certain outcomes or behaviors, even if they're shit, is mm. because it's because we it's familiar. We know what to expect. Like there's no there's no discomfort because even if it's an outcome that you don't like, like I talk about this a lot. Mm. Like if I have an outcome that keeps happening and I really don't like it, but I and I know I should change it. Yeah. But but I don't. It's it's like but staying in a relationship that you know is shit. You stay in it because it's comfortable, because yes. you know what to expect. Even if the expectation is not happy, it's like you still know what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas by changing it or stepping away from the relationship or whatever it is, you know that there's going to be a time, a period of discomfort or unknown that you're not that's that's foreign that you're not familiar with, and that's mm. scary. That's is scary. Yeah, but, or, that's where all the good shit happens. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You um, have on your podcast. You've interviewed some really amazing people. Um, you now he's oh Peter Peter Crone. Mm-hmm. I always think his last name is Peter Crow, but it's not. It's Peter Crone. Uh, you interviewed him, and I just died a little bit because I just think he's amazing. Like, yeah, he's did so you? Great. Yeah, he's so great. But my my point of why I mentioned that was like, you know, do you ever feel like you? Do you ever feel like imposter syndrome? Like, is there anything that you achieve in your life or that you're doing? And not that you should feel imposter syndrome because it's very well warranted that you are where you are and doing what you're doing. But I guess I'm like speaking from my own thing. If I imagine like, you know, interviewing people that, you know, that I really admire or things like that. And I can imagine so many people would relate to this. Like, you know, being a business owner, you constantly have to be out of your comfort zone and to be honest, most business owners that I speak of, it, there is some element of fake it till you make it. Like as a business owner, you don't know everything all the time. You kind of have be like, eh, don't know, like I'll just make it work. Um, but do you ever feel like, do you ever like feel any like, you know, limiting beliefs surrounding um, surrounding the work that you do or where you want to go and do you let these affect you? Yes and no. Um Yeah. I make a pretty conscious effort in particular with what I talk about, whether it be on the show, whether it be with guests or on Instagram or whatever, I make a pretty conscious effort to not speak on stuff that I haven't experienced myself. Mm. So for example, that's a good, that's good advice. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think where people find or where people feel like imposter syndrome most is when they're mm. just re- relaying something they've heard basically yeah right. right so even when i do like you know stepping into the world of personal development and starting to mentor people one-on-one around yeah. mindset and stuff like that for example like for me that was scary that was like a yeah. having to having to detach from like my identity of just being a health and fitness coach or a podcast host or whatever like i had to i battled with that for a little bit but then i realized i'm like well i've experienced a lot of these things that i can share with this person on the other end of this one-on-one mm. coaching call, whatever it is. And I'm always going to preface things with them. If they bring something up, I think this is where people feel the imposter syndrome. If someone, if you bring something up with me and I don't really know, but I still try and explain it, then that's where yeah. you fuck up. Whereas I have like the enough vulnerability to be able to say to someone like, I actually don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't know. I cannot give you the right answer for that. Or I don't, I don't feel like I'm um, experienced enough or I don't have enough knowledge around this to be able to give you advice on this. But mm. I can then come back to like, well, but when I went through something like this, this is what I 
did or this is what I experienced and this is the things that helped me and this is the outcome that I got. Mm. Maybe try this. So I think I think firstly, a lot of people who have this imposter syndrome, it's like it's either coming from a place of you genuinely not fucking understanding about what you're talking about and you're trying to talk about it because <laughs> it's popular or because because you think that's what people want you to talk about again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it comes to business and stuff, for example, there's been so many different things that I, not so much has been imposter syndrome, but it's just been like, I am just throwing myself in the deep end Yeah, I'll, I'll always be vulnerable enough to be open about that. So like Mm. even, even on my first ever like mastermind for, for, um, mindset coaching stuff, I, I first call, I'm like, this is my first ever call. (laughs) I'm not a qualified NLP coach or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, but I guarantee you that if if I'm able to share the value with you guys that I've experienced, I promise you if you put them to practice, you will see significant benefits. So it's not mm-hmm. me trying to be someone I'm not. It's just having the vulnerability to to be open about like where you're at. And and I think that's I think that's probably like one of the biggest rules that people <laughs> should follow, particularly who who post content. It's like just mm-hmm. Firstly, just talk about shit that you've actually experienced and know about yourself. Um, mm. And then if you don't know it, say that you don't know it. And yeah. and you can still share your opinion and your perspective, but it's it's I think that's just a really big one. And and even recently, like I had a talk. Um, I did a talk for a, a corporate like wellness retreat, a corporate retreat, a work retreat or some shit. Yeah. And um, they wanted me to talk about like mindset stuff and it wasn't very clear about what they wanted me to talk about, to be honest. And I admittedly didn't put in that much prep because I don't usually prep much for any of the stuff I do because I, because as I just said, it's usually stuff I'm really comfortable talking about. And I feel like I can just free flow a lot better than when I'm following some rigid structure. Yeah. But at the same time, when I did this talk, it was the first time I did a public speaking thing around mindset. And I also didn't really know the level of awareness of the audience at all. So it was kind of a bit of a, you're not really getting much feedback. And it was a bit of a, I thought it was completely shit. Like I halfway through, I thought to myself, I'm like, this is the worst talk I've ever done. (laughs) I'm about ready to just walk out now and just end this like half an hour early. But I stuck it out and finished it. And there was people who really did Like I got a lot of feedback from people saying they liked it. But the thing I took away from that was that I probably it's not that I wasn't ready to talk about it but I overestimated my ability to talk about the mindset stuff on such a broad there was no real topic for me to touch on so it was like yeah yeah I I knew myself then that as soon as I started talking I was like well you're not you're not like you're not an imposter or anything like that but you know Mm. that you haven't you you should have prepped more stuff for this because it's something that you're that you don't know off the like like the back of your hand yet, like you do with health and fitness, or you didn't ask for clarity around exactly what it is that they wanted to speak on or touch on or whatever. So that was why I yeah. felt that way. So it wasn't mm. so much that I was impossible. It just came back to what I said before. It's just speaking on stuff that I didn't hundred percent know about yet, and that's why I felt that way. So yeah. I think it's um, yeah. But at, at the same time, with the impossible, like in business, you're gonna feel like that. Like you don't have yeah. to know. And and the imposter stuff comes from comparison too. If I jump Absolutely. in on a coaching call with someone and I know that they've also been coached by someone else and before the call starts, I'm comparing what they're going to think of my call in comparison to them, 
Mm. The whole time I'm basing what I'm telling them off what I hope they get out of it or what they think of what I'm saying. Mm. Instead of just doing my fucking job and delivering what they've come to me for, otherwise they wouldn't have signed up in the first place. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not coming to me to see whether I'm as good of a coach as someone else. Like in the end of the day, if you know more than the person you're trying to share, like the audience you're trying to share to, then you are the expert regardless of whether you're the number one person in the industry or whether you're 400th in the fucking industry or 400,000 in industry. Yeah. Like you yeah. need to compare yourself to others. Yeah, great point. And I guess that goes back to one of the first questions I asked you, which is how do you build um, a brand that is, you know, built on trust and, you know, people um, are kind of, you know, follow your brand and, you know, buy into what you're, um, you're saying because it's the truth and there's honesty behind it. Um, and I guess that obviously resonates um, and p- people can tell when you're being honest and, you know, you're telling the truth. And I think especially with the field that you're in, the space that you're in, there is a lot of people, um, you know, I guess trying to sell to um, the unmet needs to people, you know, and there's, there's, I think there's definitely two streets in the personal development realm. And um, it definitely shines through when people uh, just want to share value and like, you know, um, elaborate on, on the message that they, um, they want to share with people. So um, yeah, that, that was really well said. Um, lastly, I wanted to ask you about how you stay in high vibration. How do you manage your, how do you manage your vibes? You know, cause day to day we're different. We wake up feeling different every day. How do you keep yourself kind of on this equilibrium, keep yourself nice and centered and, you know, allow yourself to push forward and keep achieving uh, the goals that you've set out for yourself. And what advice do you have for people? I think there's a few things that you can, like, I understand there's certain tools that I can take care of myself that are going to help me either get back to a high vibration, um, vibrational frequency or, or put me in that space in the first place. So, you know, that's where I find like things like my morning routine. I, I know morning routine is a bit of a overused topic yeah. at the moment, but yeah, it's, it's not even a morning routine. It's just like the non-negotiables that I have set for myself, which I know put me in a good headspace. So I jump out of bed and, and get in cold shower or have a mm-hmm. regular shower and then do cold shower. Um, I'll usually set some intentions in my journal and then I'll meditate. And I know that doing those three things is going to make me feel good mentally and and not be as reactive. So if I don't do those, then that's on me in terms Mm. of like whether or not my frequency is kind of off. The next thing is being a lot more selective with, um, you know, what type of content I consume or, or who Mm. I, who I spend my time around and being very, um, very, uh, what's the word, uh, fucking, intentional very intentional about um about who i spend my time around and yeah. the conversations i'm having and the language i'm using and and really picking up on or catching myself out when i'm starting to talk negatively to myself or starting to yeah. get in that state of low vibrational frequency um and it, that that's probably the hardest part i find is that there will be days where I feel really, really good and then you'll go to work or you'll go and do something or whatever and you start to feed off other people's energy and, and yeah. I kind of let that get to me a little bit um, and mm. that's something that I definitely need to work on. But, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be different for everyone. Some people will, will, will find affirmations effective. Some people won't find them effective. If they're telling themselves yeah. something that they, as I said before, if they genuinely don't believe it, then it's probably going to do fuck all. If yeah. you're doing a meditation and you're able to feel this certain way in a meditation or a breathwork session to really, you know, um, bring cortisol down and and get really present and help with central nervous system, then that's going to help. Um, 
So I think there's there's a lot of stuff that's in our control that we don't take responsibility for. So mm-hmm. it's having these shitty conversations with your friend that's always complaining. And yeah. Then, then being surprised that you feel like shit or being surprised you get triggered by everything, even though you've just spent an hour in such a low vibrational frequency. It's like, well, no shit. Yeah. So it's like um, there's certain things that are in our control and a lot of it is. And yeah. we get we get to choose like how we, we react to certain things and it's really hard to master. But yeah, once you understand that no one or no thing or no place dictates how you feel, it's it comes down to how you actually respond and react to it. Yeah, so yeah. You can't be giving your power away to other people. And again, that's hard, whether it's someone that's being rude, whether someone is treating you like shit and you allow that to get to you or whatever, instead of just stepping away or, or almost feeling sorry for them or, or just kind of deflecting whatever that energy is of theirs and, and trying not to get caught up in it. Like that's where it gets difficult, I think. But um, mm. yeah, if you can find certain tools that you can add in, that'll, that'll raise your frequency and make you feel good, you know, taking care of your health, eating well, getting good quality sleep, all that type of stuff. Um, I think that's, that's the best place to start and then you'll get better at it over time. Yeah, that really that's really useful advice. I think especially um being mindful of the content that you consume. People really underestimate how much mm. impact that has. Um so like it's so so impactful because then it starts that um those thoughts just going. Like it starts them rolling down a hill without you even knowing, just from seeing like certain content. So it's such an easy one to try and monitor, um, to try and raise your vibration. And it can be difficult, isn't it? Like, you know, when you will have like a really good meditation, you're feeling good, you've had a good workout, had a good breakfast, and then you're going to work and you're like, like, yeah, you know, exactly like, right. like how dare you? Like, but you have to just you know, that's the world. You can't, you can't control things outside of yourself, like you said. So, um, exactly yeah, right. yeah, that's really useful advice. Um, look, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, um, I, I could, I could keep going. I have plenty of questions that I would love to ask you, but, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed the conversation that we've had and I'm so grateful um, for you coming on. So where can people find you? Where can people sign up for your programs? Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I think probably just either the fitness and lifestyle podcast or Instagram at DJK mm-hmm. fitness is probably the two best places to go and you'll find the rest of the stuff there. But, um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it was a, it was a great conversation. Thank you. My pleasure.